Welcome to the family with Hackmaster Ralph Toy Basham, MD. Alex Brant Bernard Rasmussen. Co-host Catherine Brandt. Andy Brant Bernard. And Melissa Bernard. And we'll be right back, kick off hour two with the family. Dougie, what's happening to my favorite Nissan stores? Well, a lot, actually. Last month, Dan Resch and the Burnsville team finished number one in the state, and the month before, J-Lo and the Coon Rapids team took the top state spot. KQ listeners. Yeah, I've had to explain what a pair of choppers means to some of the staff. Anyway, this month, we want to talk about a couple killer finance deals on 2020 Muranos and 2020 Rogues. Read this. This month at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan, get 0% financing for 60 months on a brand new Rogue or 0% for 72 months on a brand new Murano. Wow, 0 for 72 months on a Murano? Yeah, I don't remember the last time we did that. Yeah, I don't remember the last time the Vikes beat the Packers either. Yeah, too soon. But wait, there's more. Not only do you get 0% on Rogue and Murano, but you also get Walzer Care. It's a 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty, and it's absolutely free, but only at Walzer Nissan in Burnsville and Coon Rapids Nissan. That is a wrap. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful. No question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say... Why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state. So we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean, Bryant. We're back, ladies and gentlemen, a little bit of news, a little bit of information. The Babylon Bee's on fire today. Um, literally. Well, maybe literally. <laughs> yeah, maybe literally. You never know. Uh, Fawny is being taken to task on Babylon Bee. Why? What? Fawny. Yeah, typical. What happened? From the Babylon Bee, Amazon Alexa leaps to its death in garbage disposal after being asked to play Let It Go for the 10,000th time. Fawny's <laughs> yeah. in there. The She's part of the thousandth time. Part of the problem. We haven't really listened to let it go yeah, much. She's, <laughs> she's, a while. she's let it go a little bit. She's, she's let, let it go. go. She's let it go. My favorite but, uh, of the Babylon Bee today, though, fantastic. All You know, the uh, the Netflix people have said now the reason they made cuties was to expose how horrible it is the way our 11-year-old girls in America are treated. Which I yeah. applaud, but they could have done it in a they better way. They could have done it a much better way. Well, have you seen the uh, critic versus the audience score for cuties no. on no. tomatoes? No. Oh, yeah. And I have uh, something to see, say. Yeah. Once Andy does this, I have something to say about it. Let's right. see. Critic score ninety percent. Audience score eleven <laughs> percent. <laughs> well, apparently yeah, it's French go. and yeah, I, it's yeah. dubbed with horrible English. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? It's the gal that I know that watched it because she was like, I was so on board. I was like, it promotes pedophilia. I'm canceling my Netflix. And then she's like, I'm gonna watch it and see. 
And she watched it, and she did not find it to be highly offensive and terrible. And she's it's like, because she didn't want it to be. No, she's religious. She has two young daughters. No, I, I, I got Her name is not Patty, is it? No. There's a woman named Patty sent me something saying you should watch it because it's nowhere near as bad as everybody says it is. Yeah, she's like, like you can she's make like, I the actually, point. No, she's like, I. Without having actual 11-year-olds in skin-tight leotards dancing. Yeah, humping the anyway, ground. Anyway, I have yeah. something to say about this whole thing, though. Okay. The movie Mean Girls comes to mind. Yeah, Which is a it. beloved movie by most millennials. I can't and stand her. Up to, I'd say, like 35. From yeah. ages like 25 to 35. Okay. Probably. That's Mean fair. Girls mm-hmm. is like, love. People love it. It's like a... It turned into a musical. Yeah. It's huge. And it's about girls in high school. They're not even seniors in high school because when the movie happens, I think they're like juniors or something. So they're Mm -hmm. like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. Minors. Technically children. Right. In the movie, they're having sex, drinking alcohol, wearing tiny little outfits, and dancing around on a stage very similarly to what these... It doesn't show them having sex, though, does it? No, but they talk about it. They talk about it, yeah. Yeah, and like one of the... um, I mean, they dress up as Playboy bunnies. Yeah. You know. And they wear these tiny little outfits and dance... From L.A. And dance very (laughs) provocatively on stage at their high school talent show. Doesn't surprise me. And people freaking love that movie, but since they're 16, it's okay... Well, like in the movie, they're technically supposed to be. 16. Well, but that's not real. These girls in the in, in these are little are girls. Yeah. Yeah. Actual, I know, but yeah. I'm just saying, like that's a, people go crazy for that movie, and they're like, oh, that's fine. But you know how 16 year olds end up being that sexualized by being 11 year olds that are sexualized. I agree. I agree. It's true. I agree. I agree with that. There's no reason to make money off it, though. No, I'm not saying I'm not saying that it's like, oh, it's great, everybody should be doing this. I'm just saying that people love the movie Mean Girls. They think it's fantastic. They've watched it ten times in their lives, but then they're canceling a Netflix <laughs> account because kids five years younger are doing I have never a understood dance. why anyone thinks it Tina just... Fey and Amy Poehler are funny. I just don't get it. What is I that? like Amy Poehler. Some people think they're funny well, as hell. People, I don't get it. They're not Amy funny Poehler's to me. Good Tina Fey. I've never found funny in anything. Yeah, I don't find Tina Fey to be very. Funny. I don't get it. But I Amy just, Poehler, whatever that is. Parks and Recreation was fantastic. Mm-hmm. What did they have to do with this topic? They were in Mean Tina Girls. Tina Fey was Mean Girls. Oh, they were both in she Mean was? Girls. Oh, they were Amy both Poehler. in Mean Girls. Yeah. yeah. Amy Poehler was in. Yeah, yep. she was the mom of Regina uh, George. And Tina oh, Fey yeah. produced it. I think Tina Fey Dude, produced yeah, it. Yeah, she produced it. You're right. I remember now. She is the teacher. So, Got it. Yeah, so, so watch the movies. How much illegal behavior we, do we want to watch in a movie? So, so why, why should there be any tolerance of 16-year-olds being portrayed as drinking? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, why is that a beloved, fantastic movie? Uh, I, I mean, know. if it was actual 16-year-olds drinking alcohol, I would agree. Well, but it was problem, simulated like, 16-year-olds doing simulated things. That's reality. I mean, we've all, we all know right. the parent that buys the kids that's beer. That's true. For their party, so that, you know, because they want to be the cool parent. I mean, people do that stuff. Yeah, true. Well, when I was 11 years old, I was the one that had to call the liquor store to get the delivery because I had a, my voice dropped when I was 11. 11. So I would call and go, yes, I'd like you to come by the Laurent residence and bring a couple of cases of Grain Belt ponies. Oh, I would do that. And I did. It was like Hugh Beaumont. Where'd you get beer money at 11? <laughs> yeah. thought I, you were we poor. We were in a band. Oh, I worked out in the end. Okay, the Babylon Bee's headline. Taking a shot because I love the Babylon Bee. You ready? 
new Netflix movie actually murders puppies to teach oh, that yeah. murdering puppies is bad. <laughs> Yeah. I did see this. And you should see like you should see the comments on Facebook about it. It's uh, so hilarious. hilarious. There are, there are people that are like this is not funny. And then mm. somebody is like satire isn't yeah. always funny. That's, no, <laughs> no, yeah. like, that's the whole point of it. Yes. Yeah, it's just thing. super funny how offended people are about about seeing it and they're not they just don't understand how to deal with satire whatsoever. Uh, they, no. Yeah, I mean, back to it's. This has been a problem with uh, the products of Hollywood for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, look it what has. they did to Britney right. Spears. Yep, well, and look girls, what happened Lindsay to Britney Lohan. Spears. I mean, they don't. Yeah, you know, all this stuff that they do to these girls and make them so super sexual when they're very young, and then mm-hmm. they turn out like crazy later. Yeah. They just Ew. can't. It's not okay to be doing this to people. Yeah. I agree. I mean, look at how Lindsay Lohan. So, yeah, so, so, mean so, girls. Mm-hmm. Alex, how are you going to protect your girl? from that your, your child from that how are you going to keep her from being sexualized when she's five or six or yeah Alex. seven well i've i've already made her aware of you know i talk to her about her body and her private parts and what is and isn't okay and who should and should not would you would you let her be in one of the dance things like they do when they're six or seven with that sort of uh cutie girl kind of stuff i mean it wouldn't she's in a dance class but i purposely did my research and put her in a studio where people said that the costumes, the songs, and the dance moves are age appropriate. Yeah. Okay. Well, now your oh, mother. Oh, yeah. what's, what's, but then, what is age appropriate? So I really like to see that. Well, but if I, I mean, I danced my entire life, and yeah. I never was in any sort of. That's because of your mother. Sexualized though. situation. At oh, I made sure class. that you weren't going to. Yeah. You weren't in a studio yeah. that was yeah. going to yeah. do yeah. any of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's okay. why I did my research, and all these moms were like, "This studio is really good. They do a good job. Everything's age appropriate. Nothing's yeah. ever like, yeah. yeah." And so, okay. And well, if that's... I and I and I go and I watch her class, and if there were ever a situation where I was like, "That moves not okay," I would right. talk to her teacher. And that's and that's the good advice for people who are listening that that's exactly what you have to do you have to be intensely involved in all your sort of stuff yeah this show you ain't watching oh yeah sorry oh yeah there are certain shows that i'm just like no you can't watch i that, remember i had now. a fan on mtv and then you had a babysitter that was always letting you watch mtv yeah that's right i don't remember yeah. watching a second of mtv i was too busy playing video games i watched i only watched trl Total request live. And I and I held out a long time on a lot of those really those games. Yeah, game video games can be horrible. Oh yeah, not sexually. No, they're super violent. They can be these days. Well, yeah, that's. I mean, I was about to say Grand Theft Auto. I mean, you go have sex with a prostitute and then you kill her. So, Jesus. No joke. No, seriously. It is. And you know what? They're on like what number six? Yeah. Yeah, they just came out. Well, five was. I think like five years old at this point. Oh. They're due for six any well, moment that's like, now. Like I said about the T-shirt yeah. to, for a two-year-old yesterday, it said "Lock up your daughters" for a two-year-old boy. Like Lock how? Lock up your daughters. Yeah. What is that? What the hell is that? Yeah, all like, about? like I'm gonna just, go yeah. like I don't know. I'm like, for is a, a two-year-old, two-year-old gonna yeah. go like molest your daughter? Oh, what? Christ. It was this like, is what, what is we're this talking even? About. It's exactly. basically saying that my little boy is like a ladies' man already yeah. when he's yeah, two years old. Oh, yeah. Disgusting. Yeah. The pressure that put on me to be a sex figure when I was two. <laughs> I could definitely read when I was two. Oh my so. god. I know. And ever whenever people say stuff like that, like, oh, you're gonna be beating boys up with a stick about fun, I'm like, she's 
four. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Four years old. You're freaking creepy. Four years old, Fawny. No, it's ridiculous. How and it children? Is. Yeah, I don't know. It's, All right, we'll yeah. take a break here uh, from the uh, Babylon Bee. New radar system alerts politicians when people are enjoying themselves, so they can ban it. <laughs> no having fun. Knock it off. Not allowed. You're out there enjoying yourself. Cut that crap out. We don't need it. Yeah, there's not going to be. Uh, the malls are going to be closed for Thanksgiving, right? Yep, they're going to be caught. No, uh, there's no nice. parade. No, no parade. Oh, no, I can't go to the mall on Black Friday. How am I going to live? Gee, yeah, you'd hate that, yeah. Andy. Wouldn't I don't you? people. Oh, no. That's part of their whole Awful. Christmas tradition. I don't know, tradition. If, I don't know if Black now. Friday. They're not going to be open for the big rush. Yeah, so mm-hmm. is it, Tons of is it don't Black come. Friday or just Thanksgiving? I heard it's the whole weekend, but I don't know. That's All weird. of them are that probably trying to and, keep people away and rather yes. than get. And what's going to happen on Monday and Tuesday? Uh, Cyber Monday? Yes. No. Cyber Monday. Gonna get, they're going to be flooded then. Well, we, that makes I know. sense. It's, well, they probably just won't run the same promotions and stuff, yeah. you know, like an open know. up at 12 o'clock in the morning for Maybe half off the flat screen. They make screen. up for Black Friday. That's, yeah, that's I true. have never done that once in my life, and I never will. Yeah, we I shall know. take a break. Be right back with the family. Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses, not only in the Twin Cities, but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great <laughs> it is working with Billski. Did you record that, Andy? Could you send that to me? North American <laughs> Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. I don't understand something. I've never heard his podcast because he's never been a very friendly guy to me. I don't know why, what what he has against me, but he's never been very friendly, so I've never heard his podcast. But one of the hosts of The View said that Joe Rogan is misogynistic, racist, and homophobic. Really? What the hell is he? I've never heard the podcast. I've never heard that he's... That's just the view being the view. Misogynistic the view hates racism. everybody. Yeah. They hate everyone? They hate they everybody, they hate everyone. except for like Nancy Pelosi. That's yeah. the only the, person they like. The view has no credibility. No credibility. No, Zero no, credibility don't. after they had Ron Jeremy on as a guest. Hmm. The view is garbage. Absolute garbage. That's, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I heard it's terrible. So they don't know what they're talking oh, about. God, Absolutely hypocritical because they had Ron Jeremy on as a guest. No, no, wrong there. answer. Yeah, I I watched that once and I'm like, me, not for me. We have our guests. Uh, they're talking about a fourth debate, and uh-huh. Trump has accepted the in- invitation of the fourth debate to be moderated by Joe Rogan, which that'd be rather interesting, don't you think? Ooh, it would be. Joe Rogan hosting a presidential Can't be any worse than Cardi B. Because he, <laughs> he typically true. announces... Uh, uh, it's true. What do you call it? Uh, the uh, ultimate MMA. fighting. MMA. UFC. He's MMA. Yeah, UFC. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest, Jeff Benedict. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing well, thank you. Marvelous. Jeff, uh, I need you to do me a huge favor today, okay? You ready? Sure. 
Do not mention the Vikings Vey to me today. <laughs> Because our football team sucks so badly, I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> I, I can comply with that request. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jeff. Yeah. What's to talk it. about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Boy, they sucked. But in any yeah, case, ladies didn't. and gentlemen, the dynasty from the number one New York Times bestselling author of Tiger Woods, the co-author of Tiger Woods, comes a definitive inside story of the New England Patriots, the greatest sports dynasty of the 21st century. No one can even argue that, can they, Jeff? I don't think so. Uh, I think it, you know, look, the six Super Bowl titles and nine Super Bowl trips in 20 years is, is unmatched in the 100-year history of the NFL. So it's I think it's difficult to make the argument that they're not the, the greatest dynasty in football. Uh, yeah, I think maybe, you know, basically back in the day, whether it was the Celtics or the Lakers, they always took turns winning national championships. I, I, I would put the Patriots certainly shoulder to shoulder with them, although maybe even above them because, you know, they've got the 16-game season and a few games, a couple of games uh, afterward to try to win that Super Bowl. So, you know, when you've got an 80-game season, 82-game season, whatever it is, and in the NBA and playoff after playoff after playoff, um, you can you can tune it up a lot better. I don't know. I I, I just got to be honest with you. The New England Patriots have always been extremely impressive to me, going all the way back. Uh, I watched. I love watching them play. So many great players. How did Bill Belichick get all those great players, or did he develop them, Jeff? Well. So when I went about doing this this book, I, I really wanted to start by going back to the days when the Patriots were the laughing stock of the NFL. Right. Um, they had the the worst team on the field in the league, and they were also the worst managed team in the NFL. Meaning their finances were a disaster. Right. The state the team was on the brink of bankruptcy. The stadium actually was in bankruptcy. That was the situation when Robert Kraft bought the team in 1994. They were a mess. And so I really opened there because I think it's important in trying to understand sort of how was this dynasty built. You have to go back to how what Kraft did just to acquire the team and then those early years when Bill Parcells was the head coach. Because remember, people forget that when Kraft bought the team, in 94, he inherited Parcells, who at the time was considered the greatest coach in the game. Right. And I think that's fair. I think he was the greatest coach in the game. So he had him, but their relationship was very rocky. It was, it was acrimonious. It was divisive. It was filled with friction. Right. And so that's important uh, backdrop to what happens in New England come 20, uh, the year 2000 when Kraft hires Belichick, who was, you know, let's not forget, Belichick had a career losing record in Cleveland where yep. he'd been fired. There was no one banging down his door to make him the next head coach. And, and in fact, Kraft was being widely, you know, told by people throughout the league that he was making the biggest mistake in his life by offering the head coaching job to, to Bill Belichick. That's the beginning of these sort of... Um, I don't controversial may not be the right word, but even though it was controversial, but these sort of decisions that everyone else thought were wrong. And he hires Belichick, and of course the first thing that Belichick does 
a couple of months later is he drafts the quarterback that no one else wanted. And so the owner hires a coach that no one wants, and then the coach drafts a quarterback that no one wants. And that historical perspective is important because this organization has always, always, since Kraft bought the team, they have consistently done things that went against conventional wisdom that the so-called experts in the industry of football said won't work, were bad decisions. Those have, for the most part, turned out to be good decisions. And so when you talk about Belichick attracting players, he, he's done a great job, and Cam Newton is only the most recent example of it, but for 20 years he has brought people to New England that were outcasts, that were written off, yep. that had not won anywhere else. Um, he's been doing it, whether it was Rodney Harrison, whether it was Randy Moss, whether it was Junior Seau, whether it was Wes Welker. He's always brought players that hadn't been able to win championships anywhere else who had been written off as past their prime or troubled players, he brings them to New England, and they turn into success stories. Yep, absolutely true. You know, one thing that broke my heart, Lawrence Maroney was a great running back at the University of Minnesota. I mean, phenomenal in college. He went to the Patriots, yeah. and I thought, man, this kid's going to be a superstar. And what did he last? A couple of seasons. That was about it, right? Yeah, and I, I think that, that uh, he's mentioned in the book. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There, there is obviously the whole element of attrition in the NFL. Uh, the average length of career in this business is less than three years. And that has a lot to do with the physicality of the game and, and what happens. And I, I talk about that a lot in the system. Um, I think the Patriots have had a remarkable run of drafting players like Julian Edelman, yep. Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, players that uh, Wes Welker, although they didn't draft him, they brought him there very early in his career. <clears throat> These are players who proved to be incredibly durable. Um, not that they didn't sustain injuries, but when you look at the Patriots' track record of finding those players and being able to keep them on the field for, I mean, Gronkowski and Edelman alone, are remarkable stories of, uh, of endurance. <clears throat> and again, players that other teams could have drafted but overlooked. No question about it. Now, am I wrong, Jeff? Was that Victor Kayyem that Robert Kraft bought the team from? <clears throat> so that's a good question. Um, the Victor Kayyem stories are some of the best in the book. They are. They're um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> he, he's a very colorful guy, but he really did not know how to run a football no. organization. No. And when he owned the team, one of the most colossal mistakes he made was when he bought the team. He The, the stadium that the Patriots played in was in bankruptcy when Kayyem bought the team. Right. And Kraft, who wanted to buy the team, he, the first thing he did after Kayyem bought the team was Kraft outbid him in bankruptcy court and was able to buy the stadium, <laughs> the stadium that was bankrupt and that was decrepit. What Kayyem didn't understand was that the stadium at the time, although it needed to be bulldozed because it was such a bad stadium, the most important part of the stadium was a lease that existed with the stadium, and that lease obligated the Patriots to play in that stadium until the year 2001. Ooh. By that time, Brady would be there. But 
in the early 90s and late 80s, nobody was thinking about or focusing on that contract, that lease. Kayyem didn't even know about it. And so, but, but Kraft was very well aware of it because he'd been studying and following the situation. He, he overpaid in bankruptcy court to get his hands on the stadium because he understood that if he got the stadium, he may not own the team, but he essentially owned the owner. And that was profound because Kayyem, when he, when he realizes, oh my gosh, Mr. Kraft now owns the stadium that my team plays in, not only did Kayyem not own it, he didn't even have a place to sit in the stadium for the game. Oh, God. I mean, here's the owner of the Patriots watching the games from the press box <laughs> with, with the reporters because Robert Kraft occupied the owner's suite. <laughs> God, what a story, Jeff. Isn't that amazing? It, it's just crazy, but that, that, was the, that was a really important sort of chess move. That was checkmate for Robert Kraft who then used that stadium as leverage to basically get his hands on the team, which he ultimately does. Oh, is it Gillette Stadium, right? Well, at the time, Gillette Stadium wasn't built. That happened right, right. after after he, Kraft, finally bought the team, and he already owned the old stadium. He, um, he, he went on a six-year odyssey to build Gillette Stadium, which opened... Um, in, in time for the 2002 season. So the Patriots had just won their first Super Bowl, um, beating the Rams in January of 2002, and then later that year, Gillette Stadium opened. No, but didn't Victor Kayyem own Gillette? I thought he did. No. The, the no, company, he, I mean the uh, Razor Company. Oh, oh, yeah, but that had nothing to do with why the stadium was named that. or. Oh, that. I, did, I assumed it, it was. He, no, he was involved with Remington, which is a different. That's uh, right. That's right. Shaver, anyways. That's not even the same. Company. That's right. It was, I knew there were shavers yeah. involved. <laughs> yeah. Jeff, it sounds like a great book. The New York uh, number one New York Times bestselling author of co-author of Tiger Woods comes a definitive inside story. Of the New England Patriots. This is a story everyone's going to want to read, Jeff, because you cannot deny the New England Patriots were, and maybe still are. Who knows? One of the great sports franchises of all time. Hey, look, I, I wouldn't leave, I, I wouldn't count New England out of anything. New England is one spectacular organization. Yeah, I think that that's a lesson that um, I certainly learned as I was working on the book is seeing how they, how this organization has dealt with adversity over the years, and and obviously losing Tom Brady is adversity. Um, and that's the new thing they confront now is, is how do they – you can't really replace Tom Brady, but how do you move on without him? But the fact is if you look back over the last 20 years, this team has dealt with all kinds of adversity, and it has, none of it has stopped them from continuing to win right. championships and compete for titles. Jeff, we'll close with this. Tom Brady's mother – and my mother. And by the way, I was Tommy B before Tom Brady was. Tom Bernard as opposed to Tom Brady. Uh, but his mother and my mother were born in the very small 200-person town of Browerville, Minnesota. Which I think is, when I found that, I was like, his mother and my mom are the only two people that came out of Browerville. And look at what they gave birth to. One of the great quarterbacks of all time and some radio club. <laughs> what do you think? Look at I think that's a fascinating historical irony. <laughs> <laughs> fascinating. I've always liked you, Jeff. I've always liked you.
Thank you, sir. Have a great day. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. Jeff Benedict, ladies and gentlemen, the New England Patriots. Jesus, it is true. Take a break. Be right back with the family. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Life-size poster, perhaps. Yeah, poster What size. did Jeff Benedict say again? One of the most fascinating... Historical... <laughs> fact of all time. Yeah. Come on. That was very funny. Let's not get more interesting. Yeah, his comments are interesting. I, I wonder how many stinker choices the Patriots have made. I mean, they made bad choices. Oh, yeah, choices. there's no question about that. Everybody does. Who did they, no who did they take on last year? And then the guy bailed... Uh, what was the name of the guy? The player that would just is absolutely nuts. Oh, that's tough for the NFL to pick a yeah, player that's nuts. But isn't that amazing that Remington, Victor Kayyem, who owned the Patriots, was Remington, and there was still the Boston Patriots at that time uh, when he bought them. So he had Remington shavers, and then Gillette shavers comes along, and that's shavers and Boston Patriots and New England Patriots, and what a story that is. Oh yeah, it's an incredible story, and and particularly the idea that they they really went against um, all best judgment, best football judgment. Yes. And and I just looked on that and to, and to today. They're still saying, oh, they they made the worst choices. Oh, their team's not going to be good. They, they, that's what the headlines are now. No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Here's one of my fa- this is actually my favorite NFL story of all time. You ready? This is a phenomenal story. Remember the name George Hallis? Yeah. George Hallis owned the Chicago Bears. He founded the Chicago Bears. Sid Luckman okay. was their quarterback. That's correct. Sid Luckman went to North High School, by the way. What do you think of that? Really? Absolutely. And so did uh, another Sid that managed the – the hell was his name? Can't remember. Doesn't matter. But in any case um, – what the hell is they talking about? They're talking about uh, George Hallis and the Chicago Bears. Oh, George Bears. Hallis. This is Where phenomenal. Now, here's here's a stat that you're going to make. If you're driving, pull over. If you're at home, go take a nap after this because it, it's not you and it's not me. Go take a nap. That's my grave for sure. The Chicago Bears uh, are now worth $1.5 billion. The Chicago Bear football team is worth $1.5 billion when George Hallis bought them at a very young age. He paid a hundred dollars. It's a good purchase. A wow. hundred dollars. He bought the Chicago Bears, and they're not worth. And the family, Hallis family, still owns them. By the way, 
The family still owns Holy the Chicago Bears. They're worth one and a half billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've never bought anything for a hundred bucks that turned into one point five billion. Yeah. No. And, you know, uh, a good uh, a, a friend of Sid Luckman, maybe a good friend of Sid Luckman, was is uh, uh, Turtle Dove at home, Lindsay. Lindsay is. Yeah, she was. A, she she spent a lot of time with Sid Luckman. Uh, she knew Sid Luckman's girlfriend, and they they he, she was with Sid Luckman frequently. There was another Sid with the the San Diego Chargers. No, he's a coach with the. Was that Luckman too? Or was a different guy? Sid, I don't remember. I don't remember. Doesn't matter. But in any case, uh, you know, you look at those stories. Of these guys doing this and they're doing that. Like he, uh, Victor Kayyem doesn't bother to check the lease on his stadium. Why wouldn't you know that that lease up and down? Well, he was bidding for it. He was bidding yeah, for the stadium. So why wouldn't you know up and yeah. down what the hell's going on there? But yeah. he didn't even know? Man. Victor, how is that even possible? So is Victor, you think, some rich kid who just was handed some money and he bought a Remington? Uh, and Do you think that? Um, or he was just a legacy of Remington shavers yeah, and just I a bet kid. could be. You know, just didn't have the business sense that Robert Kraft has. Clearly, Robert Kraft, whew, that was shifty. One thing I will tell you, honest to God, we run into Robert Kraft at uh, – at the Breakers every Christmas. He's there every Christmas. We go to lunch or dinner or whatever. He's always there. And he might, maybe, might be five feet tall. He is not a big man. Remember the last time we saw him at the, the Breakers in the Fish Restaurant? Mm-hmm. He's maybe five two, something like that. He can sit on a dime and swing his legs. Exactly. He can take Or give the dime to a hooker at the workout spot. And swing his legs. And swing his legs. <laughs> oh I mean, God. legs. A lot of, lot leg of legs swinging. swinging. Where was it that he got arrested for propositioning a, a massage therapist? I think at a massage studio. Well, I know that, but was it in Florida? Was it in <laughs> yeah, Boston? I, it was I think it was in Probably. Florida. I'm pretty sure it was. There's a lot of those shifty rub and tugs down there. The rub and tugs. Mm-hmm. You know what's so funny about that? You look at, we, we've been talking about the, the New England Patriots who have had two owners in the past, what, 40 years? Yeah. Something like that. Minnesota Vikings have had two owners in the last 40 days, for Christ's sake. That team has had so many owners now, it is unbelievable. Amazing. You know, that team sold uh, 1960 <laughs> for the 61 season, sold for $100,000. Wow. Those guys bought it for a hundred grand. we'd have $100,000 back then. Back in 61, <laughs> I was nine years old, so that wasn't going to work out <laughs> too well. Not gonna work a, out. Toots did not have 100 grand. She did not have 100 grand sitting around. You're <laughs> absolutely right about that. You're old, Catherine. I love those stories about people who just, you know, I spend 100 bucks on a football team nobody else wanted. Uh, cost me 100 bucks, and look what he turned it into. Cinderella story. Cinderella story. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the NFL franchise in Minnesota at that time? Come on, NFL franchise, Minnesota. Oh. Vikings were not the first NFL franchise in this state. They weren't? Uh, nope. I don't hmm. know. Back in those days, the very, very early 1900s. L- loons. You ready? <laughs> uh, Lakers. Snowflakes. The, you ready? Basketball. The Duluth Eskimos. Really? Oh, my God. Duluth had their own NFL oh my franchise. God, I'm so upset about that. All right, boy, look, it's time to go. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the family. <laughs>